Welcome homeowners, home buyers, landlords, and tenants alike. People who just want to be better at living in a home. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Join Madison Radio's Adam Elliott, real estate broker and landlord Ben Anton, as they break down the modern day barriers of home ownership. You'll laugh, you'll cry. And if you're not careful, you'll learn. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tight? Thanks for waiting. That was the waiting song from Madison musician Seesaw. Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. On the Facebook, at In the 608. Hi there, I'm Adam Elliott, former Madison radio personality. And I'm Ben Anton, broker associate at the Lauer Realty Group. Hey, welcome to Real Estate in the 608. It's our podcast where each episode we bring in a special guest, a special friend of ours to talk real estate with us. We try to bring in someone that's smarter than we are. And even if it wasn't the case this month, I'll say it is because we're having my boss and mentor, I guess you kind of mentor, Liz Lauer. She's a three-time guest, I think, here. So, well, all right, that's she's, great. It's not just because they sponsor the program. She'll have some wise wisdoms to drop on us. We're going to enjoy the top-of-the-hour tip uh, and recap the high and low sales in Dane County in the last 30 days. Another one of those people smarter than us uh, that we have on each month is Bill Plort, also a repeat guest. <laughs> President of Blimling & Associates, a division of Dairy.com, where he's going to look at beyond the 608s. We also feature local music from artists in the 608. Do you see the theme in the the 608? So I actually yeah. found I found another real estate firm as I was out bicycling where I am in California, Ben. Yeah. And they are called Real Estate in the 713. And I said, thieves. <laughs> they, they, they took our idea. Did they get the did they get the domain name though? Uh, it's a good question. I didn't go online yet. I just saw the sign. Because that's and I said, like it's a great. We already do that. It's a great name, <laughs> but I am most proud of snagging the domain name. <laughs> <laughs> so, but as it, you mentioned, Ben Liz Lauer is on the program this month. Uh, great. Looking forward to talking to her. What's been going on since last time? I just finished uh, a little getaway weekend. Um, nice. spent, spent a long weekend in the directions of Kohler, Wisconsin. Uh, for those unfamiliar, that would include um, Kohler, as in the small town named for the plumbing magnate. Yeah, you get your faucet and your toilet, right? Right. So, uh, <laughs> so you you will hear Kohler-inspired uh, history questions. It was in 1883 that uh, that John Michael Kohler. Uh, first applied enamel to a cast iron horse trough and created the bathtub as we know it. Interesting. So that's how we all started, huh? Well, there, there, there <laughs> is in a horse bath. <laughs> there is both. There is both a design center like the bathrooms of the future, but also like a museum of history. But but the Kohler family obviously loaded. Um, there are several mm-hmm. art museums. Um, one of which we visited the art preserve and it was pretty, it was really neat. If you enjoy outsider art or folk art or kind of like the Americana kind of thing, um, that particular museum has a much more casual collection than, than like the, the more formal one uptown. I do like those types of arts. It makes me wonder if there's like a statistic that we could pull, how many houses in this country actually have a Kohler product in them? I bet the number's going to be high. I would, yeah, especially, I mean, the closer <laughs> you get to the Kohler f- 
plant, I think the cheaper, <laughs> where even the modest houses would have Kohler fixtures. Yeah. Whereas like, otherwise you're going to be in a high end house if you're further right. from the plant. But I didn't know enough about toilets, enough about your toilet talk. <laughs> what were you, what have you been up to, Adam? Yeah, so the last time uh, since we chatted, I actually went and looked at a house. I'm kind of like still teetering on the question of like whether to buy. I'm out in California right now. Um, Prices out here are ridiculous. And I looked at a house that was worth $2.1 million dollars. And I cried after it. Oh my. I cried because it had the exact same square footage as my house in Madison. It did have a pool and it, it looks, it had some modern fixtures into it. But I was like, oh my gosh, how do these two things compare? How does my house in Madison come in in the 300 range? And this one is 2.1 million. Location, location, location. It's a lovely house, but uh, won't be moving in anytime soon. Okay. On the program with us in a bit, Liz Lauer. Her story is a classic Madison tale of coming to the UW for college and quickly growing roots in the community. Falling in love with this city and its people, she grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota, where her father was a scientist and at the University of Minnesota, and her mother was a realtor. Her mission has become to help people understand their own needs and desires in a home and neighborhood to identify the property's full potential and also being able to crunch the numbers and budget so our clients can make all the decisions. Being fully informed, we'll be with her in a little bit. But first, we'll take a quick break and bring Asher in for the top of the hour tip. Sometimes I'm sure of, sometimes my head's not right. Hello, Liz Lauer here, owner and broker at Lauer Realty Group a small but mighty real estate firm in the Madison market. Please tune in and enjoy the conversation and information shared from this podcast as it offers insight into the Madison real estate market and handy tips for homeowners from remodeling, interest rates, market conditions to the do's and don't evers. So sit back and enjoy the banter and have a good time. In with the top of the hour tip, Asher Messino going to talk a little bit about interest rates. And what they mean to you. Hey, Ben. So, yeah, interest rates obviously are super important right now. They are changing very quickly, but they've also changed a lot over the course of the past three or so years. But it's super simple, kind of, really. Yeah. So what people are probably wondering right now is what can I afford when an interest rate was, you know, a point less just, you know, earlier in the year? Right. But what what you can afford... Your monthly payment, that does not change. You just you just say, I can afford this much. Right. Twenty six let's say twenty six hundred. That's a, that's about it's probably not far from an average. It seems high, but it's probably not so do the prices. Probably not far from average. Twenty six hundred dollars at at six percent interest, what can I afford? So you can afford about four hundred and forty thousand dollars. To borrow. To borrow. That's borrow. the that's home be loan my amount. My payment would be about $2,600 if I was borrowing $440,000 at 6% interest. Correct. So let's imagine now the interest rates have climbed to at least 7.5. What does that mean to me if I can still afford $2,600? You are now way down at $380,000. So that is that is a difference of what, $60,000? That's about $80,000. $80,000. So... What I'm hearing you tell me is that as interest rates increase, we are going to see significantly more pressure on lower-priced inventory. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Because there were people who could afford 300 and who can always afford 300. But now the people that used to be able to afford 400 are pushed down into that 300 market. Right. So you've got both, not like not like 300 is affordable by any means, but like that just means that that lower price inventory is going to see even more pressure. Right. Even more pressure than it already has, as that is always our highest buying pool. All right. Well, thank you much for that top of the hour tip. Uh, we'll be back as we uh, introduce Liz Lauer and, uh, and talk about what that's going to be and find out if she's fun. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. In the studio now, Liz Lauer. Welcome, Liz. Thanks for having me, Ben and All, Asher. <laughs> always, always a pleasure to have you in person. We hear your recorded joyfulness each month, uh, but it's, it's always nice to get a check-in. Uh, Liz Lauer has been a top-producing realtor in the Madison area since 1998. Every day in the field, she uses her years of diverse experience to help clients realize their dreams. Her resume includes new construction home and condominium projects, the historic renovation of the Lorraine Condominium Building, lot purchases and contracting for homes to be built, and perhaps what she's most proud of, working and establishing offices in Madison's most established neighborhoods, East and West, where community identity is especially strong. But you all haven't seen her at the Wisco, so how do we know if she's fun? Well, Ben, we play a game. A Madison history and environs trivia game we like to call The, the way, way It Used to Be. Liz, you'll be hoping I ring the bell three times. Are you ready? I'm ready. Well, you just talked in the opening about my last my weekend and my visit to Kohler, Wisconsin. Visited not only the Kohler Design Center and, to- and like a toilet museum, if you will, <laughs> but also the Kohler Art Art Preserve or Art Reserve. It's kind of like an annex to the formal cool. art, art museum of downtown. Uh, on display there, Liz, a uh, work from the Phil- or Phillips, Wisconsin, is home to the Wisconsin Concrete Park a site filled with the concrete sculptures of Wisconsin resident and folk artist Fred Smith. What Madison artist was also a prolific sculptor and commonly worked in concrete? Uh, Sid Boyum. Yeah. Correct. One, what the bell, the bell t- t- told once. Um, <laughs> in what year, here's a little follow-up bonus, bonus ring. In what year did the Lauer Realty Group list and sell the Sid Boyum home? If I'm remembering correctly, it was 2014. Ooh, sorry, Liz. You've been in real estate a long time. 2018, it like just happened. <laughs> this wow. just happened. <laughs> it took a while for all the concrete to get out of the backyard. <laughs> you are you are correct. I believe I believe 2014 may have been when uh, the when people first learned about the looming sale uh, or tax lien foreclosure. Mm. And then it was, but those four years later, after the friends of Sid Boyum received the home, emptied it, cataloged it, di- diversified or di- di- what is it? What don't look at it? Dispersed some of the artwork that it finally sold in 2018. All right, same same trip, same weekend trip to Kohler, inspiring 
Question number two. John Michael Kohler invented the cast iron, the enameled cast iron tub. It was a, it was a horse trough, the first tub. He owned a foundry that originally produced agricultural equipment. Name two of the three foundries located or formerly located on Madison's Near East Side. Uh, the Goodman Center, which was the Ironworks foundry. Yeah. And then the second one on the Near East Side, I'm going to say, would Kip be considered a foundry? Kip is a foundry. Yeah, I would think so. So there's two out of three. The third, also now a Goodman building that is called? The Steelworks building. Brass. Brass we go from We got iron on the south side of the street and brass, brass. on the north. So it would have been the, the, there's the bell, Cupfer Iron Works <laughs> and the Madison Brass Works and Kip Corporation, all located within, like they're adjacent one another. And, but two of those buildings having been repurposed as the Goodman Community Center. All right. One more question, again, inspired somewhat by my trip to Kohler. Kohler has become a name synonymous with luxury, upscale bathrooms, maybe also kitchens. So in the kitchen now, what Madison company has its roots in refrigeration, was established in 1945, but now offers high-end refrigeration, cooking, and range options all under one umbrella? Sub-zero. <laughs> The bell rings three times. Thank you much. That yes. is true. She's fun. Um, she's fun. Should, she got all three. We know she's fun. <laughs> we've, we've seen it. This is for the people. Um, here's a little tidbit. Um, a name I will struggle to pronounce. I'll say Westy. Westy Bakke. B-A-K-K-E. An engineer with ties to Frank Lloyd Wright and helping outfit some of his kitchens with re with early refrigeration, began experimenting with refrigeration of his own in his basement um, in 1930. This was years after mechanical refrigeration, but uh, he was in part searching for a reliable way to store insulin for his son, Bud. So that's the, the birth of, of Sub-Zero, was some engineer tinkering in the basement to keep insulin cold. That's cool. There you go. Another family business, not unlike the uh, like the Kohlers in some way, but I think a little not quite the recent immigrant. We're going to take a break for the market update. We're going to focus with Asher on the high and the lows of the month because we're going to talk a lot of market update when we get back with Liz. When I meet with buyers for the first time, I go through a little presentation, and at the end it says, unpack all your boxes when you move in, and then borrow a ladder. So that borrow a ladder thing is like kind of a metaphor. What it means is that I enjoy not only helping people buy their houses, but helping them live in their houses and learn how to be better at living in the house. The same better that I try to help you with each month on the podcast. So here's an invitation. If you are planning on buying a house or selling a house, look me up. Head over to benanton.com. Maybe sign up for my newsletter under the read tab. That is what I like to do the most is help. The podcast, the newsletter, those are just some of the ways I've found to help. So do you want that help? Look me up. You want a little help in between? Listen to the podcast, sign up for the newsletter. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. We are going to go forego 
the market update because we're going to talk quite a bit of market stuff with our guest today, Liz. But in with the high on the low recorded sales in Dane County in the last 30 days, Asher Messino, how low can you go? <laughs> hey, Ben. All right. So in the last month, our lowest sale was $177,000 on Superior Street in Madison. Superior Street. I'm feeling like that's just off Sherman. It is just off Sherman, and it um, this house backs up to some railroad tracks. Yeah, I figure, you figure, if you see, well, what side do you think it's on? What side of Superior Street? And then I see the price, and I'm like, it's probably on the train track side. Yeah. So this one sold with competition. It was initially listed at 175 sold at 177 It is a one-bedroom, one full bath, and it is 484 finished square Square feet and no basement at all. Oh my, she's tiny. No that's, garage. That's a little, a little bitty bitty house. It is a little bitty. I can't. I thought, I thought I had a. I was gonna be a contender for the tiniest house of the year, but I think Toby <laughs> sold one that was just a little bit smaller. And but this, this one, when we do our year in review, I have a feeling we might be hearing this address again at four hundred and eighty-four. This is the smallest I've ever heard of. Square feet. Have you heard of a smaller house in Madison? I think last year's smallest was five hundred something, and it may have even been on or near Superior Street. Did it have a, a basement though? Whether finished or unfinished, having a basement adds a lot more room. Yeah, there's, there's. Since you're devoting fifty. Maybe of your above ground square feet to your furnace and water heater and electrical panel, that's leaving you with a, a pretty small cabin. Yeah. It, it does look kind of like a cabin. With a, <laughs> there should, it should be on a, on a body of water. <laughs> Maybe somebody fishing for crawdads uh, in the back. But okay. all right, so that's, that's, the, uh, that's the lowest price. What about the high end? Okay, so on the high end... In the past 30 days, we have a $2.9 million lake home in Monona. 2.9. This, while I feel, while I feel the, the first home may be contender for smallest, 2.9. Have we been into the threes yet? We've been into the threes. With low threes, very low threes. Okay. There well, have this... been some threes in, in Madison, but this is, this is a, a huge home, 5,300 finished square feet, four bedrooms, five full baths and a half bath. So you'll be very pleased with that ratio, Ben. Yeah, I would say. The other thing that stands out a little bit to me is the age of this home. Yeah, 1994. It's kind of newish. Kind of new. It and has... A hundred feet of level accessible shoreline. That's the other thing. Six point six acres, almost a half acre. Well, more than a half acre. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a good amount of ground. It's a really decent lot, and when you can get that flat shoreline access from the house to the lake, that's you know, highly desired. So you can put in your saltwater pool. Yeah, they have a pool back there that's as well. Bit, that's a bit much. <laughs> I, there's a lake. Definitely. I like it. You know what? I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's a bit much at all. I think if I'm going to pay 2.9, I better be getting a pool right next to my lake. All right, then. Well, congratulations to to Pat Sullivan, um, who was both the list agent as well as the seller. So this was... Somebody who must sell more real estate than I ever ever did and, uh, and bought themselves many years ago a house on the water. Sold it for about twice twice as much as they paid back in 03, I think. 
All right. There's the highs and the lows. Uh, we'll be talking more market information with Liz, our guest, so we will skip uh, Asher's monthly market minute. Back in a flash. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. We're back with the boss lady, Liz Lauer. We listen to her every month talk about how how this is an opportunity to learn. We're digging deep this month, uh, not only with what's going on at your place, Liz, but then also uh, a, a bigger backing up picture of our market for the year. And then we'll try to talk a little bit about what's happening this time of year as well. Uh, Liz, what's what's new? What's up? Um, I think... I think the only thing that's kind of new at Lauer Realty Group is um, um, a couple of our agents have kind of taken on some uh, new assistants, so that's kind of nice. It's good in these kind of change markets to kind of up your ante a little bit. I think otherwise we've been working on getting better contractor partners for our clients and just fall markets, it's always good to revise things. But pretty much the consistency you've seen in the market is, you know, very experienced agents who are collaborating um, with their agents within our firm. So, you know, much of the same from Lauer Realty Group. It seemed for a time when houses were selling so quickly and easily that there, there may have been some people tempted to think our job was easy. Um, but then I think it got to the point where there were so many people looking for that small number of homes that it that it again thinned the curd a little bit. Like if you were just learning or just cutting your teeth, this was this was not the market for you. And it is it is those people with with experience and and with more of a collaborative versus cutthroat attitude that are that are succeeding. Would you agree? I would agree with that. I mean, I think that. You need people who connect with other agents and the community as a whole to, you know, get the job done. Like when there's very few things available and, and you know, the choice is to work with experience or not. I mean, I think people do choose that knowing that they want a smoother transaction. So it positions us to do better. And we have been um, doing better than the market, you know, in terms of maintaining sales. Yeah, consistently. Um, I love being able to flip into my inbox or into my historic texts when I'm dialing up an agent and, and like, oh, look at that. I just, I've, I've sold two, I've worked with this person three or four times in 15 years or however far back Gmail goes, you know, like that's, I, I, <laughs> I lean on that because I have no, I don't really remember. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I love looking back at that. Like, oh, Tammy, how you, t- t- yeah, I'm going to show your place later this afternoon. How, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's, that's for, if, I don't know if Tammy listens. Our kids would go to soccer, Tammy Crest. Are you talking about the East Johnson Street house? That house I've has, been talking to Tammy too. There is a house on East Johnson with a beautiful garage. It's a that, nice garage. Unbelievable. Like the house is meh, but the garage is amazing. I'm like, whoever buys that house is gonna that's they're buying the garage. <laughs> I'm all for it and I've got some ideas for the kitchen. There's no way.
Retaining that boutique feel, I think, also important in something that you're doing, and 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 maybe in the way that that there's there is only a certain number of you, but the way you relate to the community and and some of the things that we do in outreach wise. What where where might I have seen you this summer? Well, I would have been parading around the festivals as usual. <laughs> um, you know, the festivals really are a way for our community to raise money for children's programs. The Wilmar Community Center, Goodman Center. So, I mean, we kind of focus on smaller community things for our what I would call our volunteering or our charitable donations. And we're about to kick off, you know, the this will be the 14th year that we have done a matching donation for the Goodman Center Thanksgiving baskets that brings over 4,000 meals to families across Dane County. Yeah, your familiarity with the former Ironworks is is because you and I and all three of us have stood outside of it uh, distributing uh, uh, Thanksgiving baskets each year for the last many. Um, people will be listening to this in advance of Thanksgiving and um, but I and I'll I'll put there'll obviously be a link to the Lauer Realty Group but in the coming weeks do check out that Lauer Realty Group homepage or on Facebook uh, for a link so your donation can automatically be doubled at the at the out of Liz's pocket and see that money go even further um, let's talk about the market and and how we how we feel, you know, we talked a little bit about the agents and how 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 that may be important. But standing back, looking at twenty twenty three, I feel like it's a little bit of the same. Like once we were done, once we took our masks off, we were we were hitting the ground and running as fast as we could until we weren't, and then we were running again. Like it, like it doesn't seem all that different to twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one. What's your gut? I mean, the difference would be, um, I think that you saw, uh, I mean, from 2022, we didn't feel a huge let up and fall. And I feel like we're, we're feeling a bigger let up with this interest rate change than, than we did 2022. We had a huge interest rate change, but it didn't really, it didn't really settle in. Like it still was palatable, you know, it was between five and a half and six and a half. Now we're kind of in that we've stretched it another, you know, the economic, you know, jobs and everything's coming out and they're saying, no, there's still there's still inflation happening. We're seeing this new rise, you know, almost to 8% did really kind of change what I think about the fall market. Now, the interesting thing, and I just looked up these stats again this morning, I just did stats for third quarter is that we're not seeing inventory rise at all. And it's the same as it was last fall. It was, you know, very few units across Dane County for sale. And and in Madison, you know, um, it was about a third of that available right now. So... Even as we see them grow a little bit, we're we're our deficit. We're at ten percent levels of what we need. So we know that it is a little bit the same. But the buyer enthusiasm for this fall 
market seems a little bit less. So we're so we're thinking maybe interest rates dampening the fund for buyers. Um, how many people do you think are just super comfortable with their low interest rate and unwilling to sell? Because if they buy something now, they're going to pay a lot more. We heard we heard in the uh, top of the hour tip the difference that one percentage point can mean in payment. How many sellers do you think are reluctant to do so because they they love their interest rate? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, the national news is stating 60% of homeowners or 61, I think, percent of homeowners are sitting in 4% or less interest rates, you know, and I would say, you know, a lot of people, when I talk to them, they're in 3% interest rate. So if you own a house and you want a slight change or, you, you, you need another room or, you know, you need two less rooms. I mean, you might just say, nah, I'm not going to make that change. <laughs> so that's part of our market being down like 26%, you know, overall for the year. But it's also, it's also that, um, and absolutely that's on the seller's side, right? Because the buyer's side is we still have no inventory and that's probably, you know, Keeping those buyers. If I was a buyer, I'd just be more. I'd be more scrutiny. You know, I'd have put more scrutiny into which home I bought, right? Because I'd want still to, need it. Yeah, you just get it's going to cost you a little bit more, so you're going to be a little bit more, a little bit pickier, and you're going to hope to get what you need or what you're looking for. Yeah. Liz, you mentioned uh, digging into the statistics and, and the numbers. That's always something uh, that you are you've been very comfortable with, and I, I love that you can so quickly switch over into that's you know does ten percent, twelve percent. You know, I, I can do the math if I sit down with the calculator. Um, but looking at at our third quarter, twenty twenty three versus versus twenty twenty two, what are some of the highlights that you that you picked up on? Sure. And, and part of that is that market, you know, that quietness of homes being available. So, you know, just the quarter of July through September of 2022, we had 1,762 sales. And, you know, comparatively for this 2023 quarter, we only had 1,359 sales. So that's 23% down. Um, from the previous year. So that shows you kind of that lack of housing because the next three stats really kind of tell the full story. Um, Days on market remain very stable. It was 15 at 16 this year. I would call that a wash. And then, you know, the highlight, of course, is that uh, price points, um, the average was 474 uh, for last year during that quarter. And this year it was 501. So, I mean, you're still seeing growth in appreciation, even though we're seeing the interest rates and the price of normal goods just really skyrocketing on, on, on consumers. Um, when we look at list to sale price, it stayed about, you know, 101%. So that means that we're still seeing negotiations and buyers scared that if they don't put forth what the seller wants, you know, that their offer won't be accepted. Uh, maybe just uh, from the hip on this one, 
if we're always looking to the last several sales to set our listing price, like what sold recently, and then thinking that it might go higher, how does the fact that the highest prices in our market statistically are generally paid in this second quarter, June, July, do the when listing a home in the fall, do you do you soften that push a little bit because historically, uh, you know, late late third, early fourth quarter sales are not as strong as they are earlier in the year. Do you do you push? Do you expect less push on the price? I definitely do. I mean, it you know, and so part of that is the experience of the market. Like when we're out in the field working with buyers or sellers. I mean, we could feel it maybe the beginning of October that, you know, September um, September wasn't as strong as it was and things were sitting on the market. So going into those October sales, you know, some price adjustments, it used to be that you could pretty much pre-COVID say that you could get a 5% discount if you looked in the fall market you know, and even up to a 10% if you were lucky, mm-hmm. but usually a 5% discount, we're starting to see that come back. And I mean, the question mark is that, is that a temporary thing with the rise in interest rates? Or is that, or is that, you know, are we going back to a more seasonal market? Right. There's so many variables that it does take that, that person that can try to understand all the different things at play. There are some listings, like this beautiful garage on Johnson Street. There's one on Third. There's a couple, you know, where where I feel like they came in expecting the the market to treat it like a spring listing, and now two, three, even in some cases four weeks later, and then and then and then it's blemished. You know, people ask, how many how many calls do you get, Asher? What, what's wrong with that one? Right, exactly. What's wrong with that one that's been, oh, my God, it took three weeks. Yeah. And, I mean, or you can see it as opportunity because I remember last January as I met with people, I sat down and I said, you know, the next couple months we're going to be looking at leftovers or very few listings because winter is, you know, the deep of winter is typically, you know, our downtime. And, you know, the expectation of that buyer is I don't want something used, but those tend to be the ones that are then sitting on for 90 days and the sellers start to drop their prices and you can pick up a 10 to 15% value. So, I mean, I would watch for nuggets like that in January that have sat around for a while. Oh, no, I, I saw some things happen even in the last month that I, that I, uh, I felt were indicative or like lessons that can be learned in a market like this. One was a house we worked on together. It was just not quite what everybody wanted. And we, and it did go for slightly less than asking, but the minute the opportunity existed for like the minute, the minute it was a week old and everybody thought I'm talking about Dayton I know. and everybody thinks, Oh, maybe I can get it for a little bit less. Then all of a sudden there were two people who thought they could get it for less and it ended up competing almost right back up to what the asking price was. Um, similar on, uh, on a condo, I, 
I love Roger Stouter and I love working with old school realtors who like are classy. So there's a plug for him. He is, he will, he will call like, like if you don't leave a message, he will call you back. <laughs> like as a missed, just a missed call that is it's going to call you back. It's like that commercial, like don't become your parents. <laughs> I call back missed calls from agents. <laughs> but it's like he, didn't, he wouldn't know who it was. It was just like any old oh. number. I missed a call from this number. Anyway, um, he had an unfortunate situation where he had to bring a house back to market, like it, like a deal fell through, and we were able to come in and say, "Hey, we can just solve this problem, but we're going to need a little off the top." And that would not have happened in the summer. It would not have happened in the spring. You'd have put it right back out there, and there'd have been a flurry again. But here in October, it meant we could get in under asking with a relatively clean offer. Just because, again, there was the risk that it was going to be branded or people were going to wonder what was wrong with it. When it, there's a million reasons someone can walk away from a condo deal. What about um, interest rates going forward? Higher or lower? Going to stay all the same? Ballpark? You're no economist, but uh, what's your gut? Well, the recent, you know, jobs and economic reports didn't really, you know, slow the feds down. I mean, they they wanted to raise them, right? So I think for the short term, uh, we're going to see interest rates in that mid-sevens. I think we might might see sixes again come spring market. Um, But I think people should be more prepared for... Six and a half percent being more of a norm um, long term. You know, I've brought this up in our meetings and our agents have heard it. But I mean, before they monetized mortgage notes um, and put them in the larger market, secondary market, selling all of our mortgages, the interest rate for a home loan was six point six five percent. And that was that's what the home loan mortgage rate was. It was always set. So, you know, to have that be a stable number within the math equation of housing is not the worst thing. The other thing that it achieves by having a little bit higher is that if you're in that retirement age, you can put money into high-yield savings or low-risk bonds or other things so that you can live and know that your money is not going to end up in a stock market crash that you're going to need in five years. So... There's a lot of really good points that lead me back to, well, 6.5% should be the interest rate. In fact, we our government set that interest rate before. And in what year did that change? 66 is what I 66 imagine. 66 or right about that. And, uh, and for those who, who that might have been a little hovered over your head, we're talking about the point at which uh, mortgage-backed securities became available as investment options. And, and vehicles where uh, where any conventional mortgage today is then packaged and sold on the market as a as an investment vehicle where it used to just be uh, and therefore the the market then determining the price at which those are bought and sold and can have a much much larger effect on the interest rate. Got any gems for us before we wrap up, Liz? I said, bring us a gem. Drop, drop some wisdom. What do you got? Yeah, I think I think buyers should. You know, if I'm talking to buyers and, and there's a gem out there, 
is be loose, be ready to buy what you love, you know, the, and make sure it fits your budget. But don't get caught up in its interest rates. I think they will the lower enough that you'll kind of feel that comfortable, you know, reset in a couple of years. I, it might take a couple of years. And then look outside the box a little bit. You know, I I think, you know, some of these uh, buyers who sit down and say, okay, the interest rates went up, I'm just, you know, not going to play. Well, I think time to play is right now. We're seeing lower buyer pools out there who are serious and that means 5 to 10% discount this time of year. Going into spring, I would say use the same patience, but also, um, you know, hone in on your skills. I think we're going to be in the same market we were in last year where if you want a house, it's going to be highly competitive. Yeah. And those competitive things, at some point, at some point, you stop paying more and you start giving concessions in other ways. We've talked a little bit about that as it, as it relates to the relaxation or the uh, inspections, appraisals, and making your offer as close to cash as it can be, or even if, you're in a, if you're in a place to do it, making it cash. Um, but there's so many ways to compete aside from just price. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much, Liz, for dropping in. Uh, we're going to take a quick break then. Uh, as we close with Liz, we'll be back with a little bit with Phil's phone in and then a little wrap-up. So back soon. Thank you, Liz. All right. Thank you for having me. Going to the bar with the money from my jar. Walking there because I'll have a problem with the car. Going to take a sip. Going to take a little trip. Going to purchase Stephen whiskey. Going to leave a big tip. Time for Phil's phone in. Phil Plort is my business partner in Deacon Housing, president of Madison's Blimling and Associates, a dairy commodities consulting firm, a division of dairy.com, and host of the brand new podcast, The Dairy Download. Keeping an eye on the faraway and diverse markets is what he does. Seeing how it might affect real estate here in Madison is what he does for fun. Here he is with a look beyond the 608. Hey, Ben, it's Phil with a view from beyond the 608. Over the past month, I think we've undergone a sobriety check on interest rates. And with that, I think it's time to be a little more concerned about the wide-ranging impacts. This week, we saw 10-year Treasury yields touch 5% for the first time since 2007. Concurrently, average rates for a 30-year fixed mortgage hit 8% for the first time since 2000. As has been the case for months, recent economic data points to steady to higher rather than steady to lower interest rates. In the past couple weeks, we saw labor, inflation, and retail sales reports all come in stronger than expected. While good news for the economy overall, the reports all hint at an inflationary environment. I'm not sure whether the Fed will hang on to current rates or will push through an increase the next time around, but I'm pretty sure we're not going lower anytime soon. That's quite different from where we were six months ago. In early June, Fed funds futures had rates at 4.75% by April of next year. Now, futures are trading at 5.36%. What does this mean? Everything's more expensive. Capital for business expansion, financing credit card balances, and yes, mortgages in an environment already featuring affordability issues. I doubt we're careening toward disaster in equity or housing markets, but I think things are vulnerable. It's funny, when you talk to old timers about higher interest rates, you get a lot of chuckles and comments along the lines of, this is nothing compared to the 1980s. That's true enough. A Fed funds rate near 5% is essentially in line with the 50-year average. We're normalizing interest rates. 
But who says, great, sign me up for normalization? No one. It's a process that's likely to deliver at least mild pain to our economy and national housing markets. That's all for now. Until the next time, this is Phil with a view from Beyond the 608. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine. For your ears, Ben Anton, I've got one question for you. What was that? That was that was sitting down with Liz Lauer herself, kind of the, the boss lady. Um, and always interesting. To, I mean, she, like I sell a good amount of houses. She sells 10 times that. You know, like that, <laughs> that is literally how busy she is. Um but but we we worked together a couple times this year. We talked a lot about the seasonality, which is something that you have heard me talk about a lot, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and how so oftentimes this time of year can be an opportunity. A lot of discussion, though, too, about how interest rates stir into that seasonal opportunity conversation. And the the, the number of variables is dizzying. But but having the head on the right head on your shoulders as she does, you can start to make sense of those things. I would say that's the best place to put your head right on your shoulders. Yeah, top of the hour tip important from Asher: the difference that percentage and in interest can mean. Mm-hmm. That that all of a sudden my twenty six hundred dollar payment was going to buy me a four forty house. I'm now looking at a three eighty house. And that that's that's easy. That's number. That's facts, Jack. You know, like that's we don't make that up. So if the interest rate goes up, your purchase price either goes down or your payment goes up. One or the other. Pick. So thank you to our listeners. Thank you to Liz. Thank you to Asher. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to Adam. You too. Stopping by. Oh, and I'll pass along a thanks to the musicians and bands you've been hearing throughout Real Estate in the 608, including the infamous Bob Westfall, Seesaw, the Mad City Jug Band. Ren Claw, El Donk, the Oak Street Ramblers. We do appreciate that you lend us your music for our podcast. It makes it sound kind of fun and frilly. It's like frills, like a lacy edge to our to our conversation. <laughs> you Adam, you Adam are my favorite lacy edge. Oh, thanks, Ben. And I will say then to you, your laziness is a fantastic thing that I enjoy as well. <laughs> we'll keep it keep it PG thirteen here. It's family show. Thank thank you, Adam. Thanks, Ben. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Estate in the Six O Eight, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Real Estate in the 608 is a podcast for homeowners, home buyers, landlords, tenants, people who just want to be better at living in a home. If you can't get enough Real Estate in the 608 between episodes, like us on Facebook at In the 608 or visit inthe608.com for archived episodes and show notes. Remember, until you tell us, we don't know. We appreciate your listening, as well as your ratings and reviews at your favorite podcast portal. We also welcome feedback and topic suggestions via email to ben at benanton.com. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. And come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on that pinball game? You're always playing at your favorite arcade. Could be taking the aim, and we could be red, red, red.
Come on, baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather be. So I'm singing you this waiting song 